Today is December 22nd. Yesterday was December 21st. And according to the popular media and their interpretation of the Mayans' uh, uh, future telling, yesterday was supposed to be the end of the world the destruction was supposed to uh, come upon this earth. Well, it didn't come, and we bypassed it. Many years ago, during the time of the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, he was asked about the Mahdi, and when would the coming of the Mahdi come? And he answered the question, but people didn't understand the answer. Some thought <coughs> it was 100 years, some thought it was 140 years, some thought it was 1400 years, but they were confused as to the exact time. So people have been predicting the coming of the Mahdi for a very long time, all with various reasons why it would come at such and such a time. Uh, all, of the all of the religions talk about the end of time and the coming of the end of time and uh, the destruction and the time of destruction. And it is generally thought uh, among many different religious leaders that uh, that time may be near. There's a great saint who once said the Kiyama, which is the end of time, uh, is as follows. The small Kiyama is when his wife dies and the large Kiyama is when he dies. And quite literally what he's saying is the end of time comes when my time is over. 
and quite literally that needs to be understood among men in general that no matter what they predict as to the end of time for this world there's going to be an end of time individually and that end of time is going to come uh, recently I was in Turkey and uh, I was talking to some publishers and the first question that they asked me is what do you think about December 21st and my answer was I give it no thought at all because it's of no consequence as to what I think about it uh, things like that either happen or don't happen and discussing them is uh, is without a lot of merit once uh, someone asked my teacher Baal Muhayyadeen what about Atlantis and he looked at him and he said what does Atlantis matter to you you have your entire life to live and you're wondering about ancient civilizations and what they had to do what you need to learn is about your own consciousness and how to become a man yourself and so it's like that with all of us and with all of these things we need to take hold of our own situation how many people have passed waiting for the Mehdi or the Messiah to come how many tens of millions maybe hundreds of millions of people have passed waiting for the Mehdi or the Messiah to come um, do you sit around waiting for someone else to save you or do you take your destiny in your own hands by trying to save yourself doesn't it make sense that you become your own Mahdi doesn't it make sense that you become the one who saves you somehow doesn't it make sense that you begin to work on your own self in such a way that you become worthy of reality to grasp <coughs> this understanding and to grasp this self-responsibility is really what we were taught by our teacher to begin to do the work that's necessary to change our being and the way to do that is to get the know to know the truth about ourselves to cut through the veils of all of that which hinders us from knowing ourselves to get to the point where we come to know ourselves and this is an arduous journey because in in that path we have to get rid of all of that which we've accumulated all of the years to the point where we make the decision that a change has got to come that a change has got to somehow become part of our existence and that begins with the yearning for understanding reality we have two yearnings uh, 
We have the desire for this world and the desire for the truth. And as long as the desire for the world overrides the desire for the truth, we are going to stay trapped in the illusory nature of this existence. And the reason that happens is we get some kind of gratification from the world, whether it be illogical, whether it be mental, whether it be physical, there's some kind of gratification. There's something that satisfies us. There's something that we strive for thinking that we're going to get some kind of gratification. This is what I mean when I say mental gratification. The assumption that gratification will come if, 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 if. And this is really <clears throat> one of man's biggest problems. Anticipated peace. Anticipated um, gratification from things that we haven't had yet that we think if we get will bring about some kind of change. People think if they become wealthy, they can become peaceful. People think if they get women or men, they can become peaceful. People think if they get fame, they can become peaceful. People think that if they get power, they will become peaceful. But all of these things don't have any rational basis to the thought patterns that are going on within the people who think them. They're assumptions based on assumptions about states that you don't know about. Very interesting, uh, this paradox, that so many people live their life in assumptions on assumptions of states that they don't know about. And yet, these machinations to achieve those states that we don't know about consume the lives of the majority of the population on earth. It has to do with the nature of the mind and the constant, constant, unending churning that goes on. And within this churning comes a constant dialogue. And the mind goes through this dialogue, constantly describing, anticipating, criticizing, foretelling what's happening. As if it knew. It never assumes that it doesn't know, and therefore it never stops doing it. And the point that's really important to understand is that even if your higher self takes on the assumption that the mind doesn't know and becomes really confident in that and has faith in that, the mind will still not stop doing what it does. It continues in its nature. So what we as individuals have to do is separate ourselves from this constant churning, separate ourselves from this constant analysis, separate ourselves from this constant predicting. Sometimes it turns into worrying. 
Worrying is predicting the future for ourselves and feeling future pain now, as if it were going to happen. The mind is either in the future or in the past. It can't be now. We need to extricate ourselves from all of this working. And we need to somehow find peace in the moment. And this is one of the great blessings of patience. The fact that we can stay in a state where we know there are things we don't know and we're content in that state. The point is becoming content. There's a story of an Arab who prayed in the company of the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him. And when he was done, he went uh, to talk to the Prophet, and uh, peace and blessings be upon him, and he had a question. And the question was, was my prayer successful? And uh, he was told he should do it again. And he did, and came back and asked the same question again. Was my prayer successful? And he was told to do it again. Did it a third time, came back, asked the same question, and was given the same response. He then asked, what do I need to do to make it successful? And he was answered, when you do the first part, where you stand and put your hands to your ears, do that until you find peace and contentment in it. When you bend, do that until you find peace and contentment in it. When your head touches the ground, do that until you find peace and contentment in it. And when you sit, do that until you find peace and contentment in it. The point being that without the peace and contentment, our acts have no meaning. Without peace and contentment, our acts don't touch reality. Without peace and contentment, we are separate from that which has peace and contentment. You can only know that which has peace and contentment if you are peaceful and content. We can't know states that we're not in. All we can do is speculate about them. All we can do is talk about them. But we can't be them unless we are them. So we need, at the very least, to create a yearning in ourselves. And that yearning should be to find peace and contentment. That yearning should be to understand reality. So if we have a need, those needs should be connected to reality. If we have a desire, those desires should be connected to reality. If we want to imagine things, we should imagine ourselves going towards reality. There is such an enormous sphere of, of different kinds 
of things that we can attach ourselves to in this world. Different kinds of things we can think about in this world. Uh, you can study worms. You can study bugs. You can study dogs. You can study cats. You can study any one of the different animals. Or else you can study the animals that don't exist anymore. And there are many of them that you can study. And you can spend a lifetime looking at bones, studying what was. What's that do for you? You can spend a lifetime studying the different grasses in the world and how they grow and why they grow and where they grow and why they won't grow. What's that do for you? You can spend a lifetime looking at the different sands and the different deserts and the texture of the sand and the way the sand blows and why it blows and why it doesn't blow. And you can write books about all of these things. And by the way, people have written books about all these things. And there are thousands of these books available. And if you want to read them, you can spend your lifetime reading these books. What's that do for you? What does having the knowledge of illusion do for you? What does having the knowledge of all that which disappears do for you? It makes you talk about the time of destruction. Because you're so involved in that which is going to be destroyed that the time of destruction actually means something to you other than what you plainly see. And what you plainly don't see is that everything is going to be destroyed. So when people bring up the time of destruction, it's the first time that people focus on the fact that all of this is going to disappear. But we don't need a time of destruction to understand that. We just need to look at life and we see it disappear. We see it go. We see it dwindle away. We see it deteriorate. And we need to focus on that which doesn't deteriorate. That which doesn't disappear. That creator that made all this that is at the core of all things. And when our focus is shifted to that, then the rest of this doesn't matter very much. I was once with my teacher, Baal Mohayuddin, uh, and I was going to take him sightseeing. And uh, he said to me, you know, I don't really care much for any of these kinds of things. And at the time, it didn't really hit me the impact of that statement or the, the, the depth of that statement. The point being that he didn't care very much for the things of the world. His focus was in another place. His focus was towards reality. If we're to find true peace, if we are to become content, that's where our focus has to be. Because our focus has to be on that which is content, on that which is peaceful, on that which has no needs. And then we, inshallah, can become like that. We can begin 
to understand that way and we can morph into that way. We can become that way. We can change into that way. That's the true alchemy of existence. That change is the true miraculous change in this world. We then become Allah's gold. We then become Allah's period. We become Allah's. We then become that which belongs to Him as opposed to that which has been thrown off from Him. We become counted among the valis, the friends of Allah. And that should be our goal. That should be our intention. And may Allah fulfill that intention. Amin, amin, ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.